Please be seated. Matthew's Gospel is characterized by five major discourses or teaching sections. The readings from last week and from today are what scholars consider community life or relationship discourse. You'll recall in last week's sermon, John reminded us that many of Jesus' teachings and parables relate to lessons on how we are to live today and how we are to live in community, essentially how we are to live in relationship with one another. Today's gospel picks up where we left off last week. Jesus was teaching the disciples on the nature of the covenant community, how to handle conflict resolution. You'll remember that Jesus said, if your brother or sister wrongs you, take the matter up with them privately. And if they refuse to listen, take two or three witnesses to help mediate. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen to the church, cast them out. So in today's lesson, Peter follows up with Jesus about this process. He says to Jesus, okay, we've confronted the wrongdoer and he repents. But if the behavior continues or the wrongdoer is not really sorry, how often are we to forgive him? Matthew's Gospel answers this question, and it's not an easy lesson. As C.S. Lewis once said, we all agree that forgiveness is a beautiful idea until we have to practice it. And the reason this lesson is difficult, yet so very critical, is because forgiveness is at the heart of our relationship with one another and our relationship with God. God gives life through relationship, and God gives life through life together, through community life. So Peter asked the question we all want to know. How often are we to forgive? And Peter, thinking he's being generous, suggests as many as seven times. And Jesus responds, no, not seven times, 77 times. But the exact number is not the point here. Jesus makes it clear in his response that God's forgiveness is unlimited. And as a result, we are to extend that same limitless forgiveness to one another. This understanding of limitless forgiveness is illustrated in today's parable of the unforgiving servant. A king settles his accounts with his servants one of whom who owes him 10,000 talents. This is a highly exorbitant amount, exceeding King Herod's treasury for 10 years. So when the servant could not pay back the debt, the king ordered him and his family sold into slavery along with their possessions. When the servant begged for patience and mercy, the king pitied him and forgave the debt. But after being absolved from his tremendous obligation, the servant encounters another servant who owes him about three months' pay. 
Now one would think that gratitude for the king's generosity would have prompted the servant to show the same kindness to another. But instead, the servant demands payment. And when the original servant's actions were reported to the king, the king revokes the pardon and orders punishment. The servant in today's parable, who is, ver who is forgiven a huge debt, but is unwilling to forgive a small one, shows no mercy. He does not pass on the generosity or the graciousness shown to him by the king. Jesus speaks to the disciples regarding the necessity of forgiveness because he knows the effects that not forgiving has on individuals and communities. While all of the world's major religions teach about the necessity of forgiveness, the medical and scientific communities have also come to understand the importance of forgiveness for one's health and one's well-being. Psychologists generally define forgiveness as a conscious, deliberate decision to release feelings of resentment or vengeance toward a person or a group who has harmed you, regardless of whether they actually deserve your forgiveness. And they're also quick to point out what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness is not denying the seriousness or the unjustness of the offense. Forgiveness does not mean condoning, excusing, or even forgetting. Rather, forgiveness brings a peace of mind and frees us of corrosive, endless anger. It involves the release of deeply held negative feelings. <clears throat> In that way, forgiveness empowers us to recognize the pain that we have suffered without letting the pain define us. It enables us to heal and move on, away from the hurt and the resentment. In other words, through forgiveness, the person who has offended us no longer has a hold on us. Forgiving someone for what they've done, forgiving the one who has hurt us, learning to live a life of forgiveness is a very tall order. We may be content to remain bitter and resentful because it seems justified or simply because it's easier to stay in that state than to undertake the hard work of forgiving. But that's not healthy for us. It's not healthy for the community, and it is definitely not responsive to God's love and mercy. When we do not forgive others, we are not paying God's forgiveness forward, and we are no better than the unforgiving servant. So today's lesson is clear. We have been forgiven of our sins, which is the heaviest of all debts. Therefore, we should forgive others whose debts are small by comparison. As I mentioned earlier, forgiveness is not easy, but it is also not optional. It is at the heart of our faith and at the heart of our relationships. Just as the king forgave the servant's debt, and just as Christ forgave us on the cross, we too are called to extend forgiveness to others.
And forgiveness is not only a gift we give to the offender, but it is also a gift we give ourselves, a gift of freedom, peace, and love. So as a community of faith here at Christ Church, rooted in God's grace, may we continue to strive to live lives marked by forgiveness, reflecting the divine love that first forgave us. In God's name, amen.